work out your salvation here in Philippians 2.12 means to work to full completion. To bring it to completion. To work at it. To make that happen. In Paul's day, it referred to like a mine. And you would go into that mine to get all of that valuable ore and you would get as much as you possibly could get out of there. To work it out. That's the idea of mining. To work it out. Or it also meant to work in a field. To work that field so that you can get a harvest. As much as harvest as you can get, right? You don't want to leave stuff just there. You want to get all of that you can. Our lives are like a mine. Our, our lives are like, a, 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 like fields with a lot of potential there, but they must be worked out. The farmer has to go into those fields and work that out, doesn't he? Make that happen. To work it out, you know that right across um, the world, if you look at the natural resources, there's all sorts of wealth, minerals that lie within the earth. And um, men have to go into the earth and they have to you know, dig. They have to put mine shafts in there. They have to go deep to get that. They're taken out day by day. Millions of dollars come out of there. And then go into the earth for gold, for diamonds, right? Copper. That's already been put there. It's already there in the earth. God did that. No man put those back before the, the caveman days. They started digging in and hiding that stuff. God put that there. The Creator of the universe has put into our hearts, into our spiritual new minds and new selves, the things that need to be worked out. God knows exactly what that is. The Creator. He can only He can only work out a man can only work out what God has already put in. He's put a lot of there. We are to pursue godliness. You ever heard of that book? Pursuing Godliness? God is at work in us for our godliness. He wants to make us godly. God's purpose for us is to be Christ-like as it says in Romans 8.29. There is a reason that He predestined us. There's a reason that He elected us. Twenty nine says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to what? To the image of His Son. And here is one that goes even above that. We're not only to be like Christ, but here's the ultimate right here so that He would be the firstborn, prototokos, preeminent among many brethren. The many brethren are us. So that we would see Him as supreme. Is Jesus Christ supreme in your life? Is He preeminent in everything, in all things? That's what He's doing. He's conforming us so that He would be, so that He gets all the glory. And ultimately, He will in everything in our lives. That's what it will be made. That's what He's doing even now. Now, there's two extremes to the sanctification. You can say, boy, this starts sounding like, hey, I must do, I must do. Because we love to preach on grace, don't we? And this is along with grace. But we are to do things. 
the pietist and the quietist are the extremes of sanctification. And you have both of those people. And they both can be very irritating because they're not biblical. There is always a balance. The pietist says over here, let go and let God and He'll just do your work and you'll find the truth to all of Christianity. There's a hidden secret in all of this and it's just flopping over. <laughs> How about that? That's not what Paul says. That's, that's the quietest. Let's get quiet. Just let God do His thing and we, we don't have to do a thing. There, there is the pietist who says, let's get this together. Let's work this. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. We will be Christian-like. We'll dress this way. We'll look this way. We'll sound this way. This is the way it is and we'll start drawing lines. We start drawing lines to lines and lines and we all of a sudden we become very Pharisaic in a very grace-oriented environment and we've taken it to the extreme to where, yeah, we have to do this. This is what this is about. And we start making our own laws. We make things there that are not there. And that is a legalist or a pietist. It's good to be pious as the Puritans used to live the Christian life knowing that all that comes from the very grace of God. I think the Puritans had it right. They were very concerned about their sin in their lives and they wanted to live that truth out. But that's not the kind of pietism we're talking about. We're talking a very smug, legalistic way. Having things by rote. Just like this. In every, I don't care what it is. No matter what it is. Even if it's things that are, don't even seem spiritual. You know, you have lines on that. Lines, lines, lines. Can't go outside. Well, the context, you must remember, remember here, is verses 2 through 4. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, that's so key right there, regard one another as more important than themselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Wow, is God speaking something here? You can say, I'm trying to get this thing together. And here's a performance-oriented person. I sin. Oh no, I, I've sinned again. And we should be sensitive to that. I need to try harder. I've got to try harder. And so I've got to pray more and I've got to read more and, and I've got to do this and I've got to do that more, more, more. And then you sin. You say, oh, I've got to try harder. I've, I've got to do this. And we start doing it and we say, oh, now... I don't have any condemnation. My performance has gotten me back to my relationship with Jesus Christ. Look what I've done. And then we sin. And then we're back into condemnation. Condemnation, no condemnation. That's almost like salvation, losing salvation. Matter of fact, the biggest majority of professing Christians today believe you can lose salvation. You know what it's based on? It's based on performance. To be honest with you, that is um, an aroma that God doesn't accept. That's a stench to be based on performance. You can say, well, look at this text here. Well, what are we saying here? Don't get into the cycle of performance because of your actions God is pleased with. He's pleased with us 
we need to see the basis of our acceptance, what Christ did for us as Philippians 2 here, as we've seen, we have to understand the Gospel. You need to preach the Gospel to yourself every day. Preach the Gospel of the grace of the glory of God. Preach that every day. Preach it to yourself. Understand grace. The key is to this, is to have gratitude. To be thankful. And we can then obey out of love. Here's what He has done. I only owe this to Him and I can't ever pay Him back, but He has given me the power to be able to do this. And because of what He's done, I want to say thanks and I want to live my life in that way. Out of love. It's all done out of love, do you see? All of this is out of love. The true path to holiness is what true love is. God expects us to love everyone. And the moment you do not love another person, you are in sin and disobedience. Here's the deal. He said, love your enemies. I can't do that. Love your enemies. Is that right? That's not the way the world says. We have to love them. We have to love somebody that even hates us and still love them. What a call it is to be a Christian. When you've had a temptation and you've gotten through that temptation and you've relied upon the Lord's strength, do you know what you've just done? You've worked it out. You're working it out. When you have temptation, and again, because of the Lord's strength in this, and you knew what you used to do, and you don't do it this time, you have another working it out. That's part of working out your salvation. Salvation, what's the idea here? Well, salvation in full. It's a uh, redemptive sense here. Uh, Particular stresses. uh, Sanctification on the believer. Definitely sanctification of the Philippian church. But the process here for obedience to this exhortation in uh, verses 1 through 5, for instance. It's a continuing change. It's worked by God. It's what God does. It's His work. And He's freeing us from all those sinful habits that we've had for so long. And He starts freeing this one and freeing that. And and He is forming us in a Christ-like affection. By the way, it takes years to be sanctified. And you know what? (laughs) We won't get there until Christ comes back. I know there's a doctrine out there that comes to a perfection. Entire sanctification it's called. Many of the Wesleyans believe that. Many think they have arrived at that point where they don't sin anymore. But uh, we still do. But I, I can tell you this. The Holy Spirit is always working in us. It's always working. What we do is work out His fruit. It's been planted. It's there. It's not seen sometimes. It's just like when you look outside and there's a lot of grass out there that's green, but there's a lot of spots that haven't turned green yet, but they're going to, hopefully, if you have grass there at all. (laughs) But that'll finally come out. Some of those flowers that are happening in this last week, boy, did that happen in in a moment's time. Some of them came out one day, and because of the heat, they were gone the next day. Some of those flowering trees, the beauty, and usually they last around for... Uh, even weeks 
because we have cooler weather, but warmer weather comes in. It, but it bore the fruit, didn't it? We see that the flowers and all the work that was going on there. Um, sanctification is an ongoing thing. It's continual. And so if you don't see a sanctification part in one person in one area, realize that, hey, God's working in there. Uh, usually we don't have to say anything. Just uh, you know, matter of fact, just look at yourself and see where the areas where you need to be improved at. And let Him work that out. Justification is a one-time action that God does. That's done. That's over and done with. He never has to justify us again. We're not in and out of justification. The sanctification... Um, we, it's an ongoing process. Uh, and it's human effort. Now get that. It is actually human effort dependent on God, as these two verses say. And it sounds contradictory. And, and we're working up to that. Um, you, ever, uh, you ever gotten a gift that had instructions? And it's something you kind of have to build and put together? Okay, you have the gift. The gift is yours. But you have to figure this thing out. You see, you read the instructions and you go, what do I do with this? What about this piece? What about this? You know, it may take some time to put this together. That's what I'm saying. Our Christian lives, even though salvation has happened, I will tell you, as God is working in us, no matter how much we would love to be perfect right now and glorified, uh, God is going to take and work in us We're not going to be perfect. He's working those things in us as we work them out. Okay, you have that gift. And you're saying, well, how's this supposed to fit? Okay, I got this right here. I got this. Where does this go? What about this? We learn something else about God, a new doctrine or a passage in a scripture. What do we do with this? You know, it's joyful to, to get discovery in the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? In your walk, you'll get true joy of finding something you've never known before. You go, I didn't know that. I've been a Christian for 55 years. I never knew that. I haven't been a Christian for 55 years. I'm not even that old yet, right? Uh, it's joyful. But I also want to tell you, it's painful. <laughs> it's painful. Because sometimes when you're putting things together, it's, ah, it's just driving me crazy. Where does this go? What do I do with this? It's like a marriage. A marriage is something that it's it's a truly a great gift that God has given us. It's beautiful. But there's instructions He's given us in here, and then sometimes what do I do with this? And what about this? And we're trying to learn what each other is, and especially as we go through time, and each of us grow differently, and there's different things there. And so it's not just a honeymoon. All the rest of your lives. No, it is something that has to be worked on and maintained. So you can compare that to your Christian life. It's worked. It has to be maintained. Romans twelve one and two says this. How do you maintain? How do you maintain Romans twelve one two after we have been given doctrine for eleven chapters? Says now. Verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world and what they're saying and all the philosophies, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Renew your mind. What does that mean? It means that before we can do anything, we start with truth. 
Not experience first, but you must take that truth. That renews your mind. Now you're thinking correctly, and now you live according to that. The truth has to enter the mind first. We let it take root so that God's will will be done then in our lives. And He gets all the glory because He worked in us that. But we have to start with truth. That's why it's such a shame that the truth of the Gospel is not being proclaimed in many of the churches today. I've said that for a long time, but guess what? If any of you were blessed to be able to see some of the R.C. Sproul conference this week, it was dealing with truth. It was dealing with the mind. The mind. We have to think correctly before we can respond correctly. No matter what the world is saying, we're thinking some of those things because that's what has been beaten into our head. And then we look in here and find what truth says and says, yeah, but it says this. Oh, I have to conform to this. This is, this is contradicting what that's saying, isn't it? Truth. The mind is so important. Well, how about you? Are you working it out? Are you working it out? Well, what else does he say? With fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. Wow, Paul. That sounds like you when you went to Corinth and, and you preached the Gospel, Paul, and you did it in fear and trembling. It was like, were you scared, Paul, when you saw that amount of people? He wasn't afraid of man. But he was handling the Gospel. Some, uh, that's the most important thing we have here in the earth. There's nothing more important. This thing will continue forever, this Word of God, and to handle it accurately and that it would be gotten out to the people, not by some kind of grandiose speech and the way that He says it, but with the power of the Holy Spirit behind the Word of God. And people came to the Lord because of that. And that's how He came in. Well, here... Is how we work our salvation out. We already have salvation. Now we work it out with fear and trembling. Fear is phobos. Phobia is how we get our English word. Uh, fear. Uh, trembling is traumas. Or an English word would be trauma. With fear and trauma. Oh. It means to shake. <laughs> and not literally. But it's talking about Oh, I need to work. I need to be obedient, realizing God Almighty is working this in me right now, and He's looking at me. I mean, He's right here. He's in me, and He wants me to do this. I must do this. I must fear. I must all be in awe, and I must be in respect, in reverence of this obedience that He is wanting me to have, being uh, being awe of Him. And now I want to obey. This should be a healthy fear of God. A total awe. I don't want to offend God, right? It's a godly awe. It's a reverence recognizing our weakness in fighting temptation. You ever fought temptation? And you ever succumbed to it? Of course you have. Everybody has. And it happens. Fear and trembling. We are weak in fighting this same old thing that keeps popping up. We're weak at it. It's a fear that puts us on guard knowing that we can fall to this sin 
that is right before us. I've done it before and here I am again. It could be an anger issue. It could be a lust issue. Go on and on with all the different kinds of sins that we fight. We need a healthy reverence and awe of His Word. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is My throne and the earth is My footstool. Where then is a house you could build for Me? Where is a place that I may rest? For My hand made all these things. This is the Creator of the universe. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. I did it. It's Mine. But to this one I will look. To who? Which one? To Him. Look at this. Here we go. To Him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at My Word. Humble, contrite, low, humility of mind. Let God just strip you down to nothing. That's what He's doing so that we can be exalted. The lower we go, the better off. You can say, yeah, but here's... Here's what I think, and, and these hold truths to my mind, and this is what I'm, you know, this is the way that I respond. Well, good. Let him go. Let him strip it right out of you. That's the one he looks to, the one who's humble, contrite of spirit, and trembles at his word. Because whenever we get into his word, he convicts us, and we should do something with that. You know what? I had verse 5 on there also. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at His word. Your brothers who hate you, who exclude you for My name's sake, have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, but they will be put to shame. God will exalt you when you do that. Hear the word of the Lord. Tremble at His word. Are we trembling today as we look at a real passage and God is speaking through His Word and through His Spirit, and He's using a mouth here, a human mouth that's just like you guys. I'm no different. I have to be shaking at this too. He is expecting something from us. He's here with us. We've already said that. Do we really mean it? Now, verse 13, and here's the paradox. This is incredible. This is a balance. Here, do this. Do this, do this. But he's already qualified. But here it goes. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You do it in verse 12. Verse 13 says, God does it. Okay, Dennis, so what is it? God can't make up His mind. What is this? Hope you're not saying it that way. It means... Just that. This is what you are to do. You know what's clear. Here's the truth. Here's this. Obey it. And I want to tell you that God gets the glory because He's already put that work in you. That you know that you are to do, He's already put it there. And you know when He did it? Before the foundations of the world. Incredible. You do it, God does it. Look in 1 Corinthians 15.10. You can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, that would be the resurrection chapter. 
Verse 10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain. Look at this. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. You know, He always comes back to that. It's not I that's doing this, but yet I did it. <laughs> Is that a paradox? Uh, look in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter said the same thing. It wasn't just Paul doing these paradoxes here. It's all throughout Scripture. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life. Oh, boy, does that knock down the philosophy and the religions of the world today. The Bible doesn't have everything. It has everything we need. Everything that we need to live out this life to glorify God in the Word of God. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him. How do you respond? How do you do these things? It's because you know God. You know how He is. And I know how He was humbled, so therefore I have to be humbled. Right? When I know Him, who called us by His own glory and excellence, now I can respond to Him because of who He is. Look what He's done. He's given me everything in life and godliness. I have all the truth that I need right here in this. Don't take the world's advice, folks. It'll fool you every time. It's all right here. Don't let the modern psychology seep into your mind when it's something that disagrees with the Word of God. I've said that for how many years? Almost every week. 27 years, Penny. I've been saying that constantly. And I say those philosophies, they're out there. They're in, they're in the newspaper ads, they're in the television ads, they're in the sports. I mean, you name it. Everything is there and it's shooting right at you. What can you make of yourself? Make yourself better. Self, self. They have a magazine called Self. It's all about self. It's me, 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 mine. It's about me, folks. No, it's not. I want to tell you right now. Strip yourself down. It's all about God or it's not about anything. It's not about you and how good you can get yourself. Do you hear? That's what he's saying. Work out your salvation. Get low. Get humble. Don't build yourself up. People should be edifying you, though, with the Word of God and edifying yourself. John 15.4 where he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Is this cutting today? Is this cutting I've been cut all week. And I want to I want to give it back to Smith. You know, I want to tell you, it's a joy to be able to study all week long God's Word. But I want to tell you, it's very convicting all week long because if I don't believe this and it's not a part of my life, then how can I convey that to other people? It's not it's just going to bounce right off of you. This chapter here is talking about the vine has to be cut. The vine has to be trimmed. The Word of God does that. I am the vine. Or, uh, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Of course, apart from Him, we do nothing. He talks about the branches that are thrown away and such. And burned. But that's incredible. 
Second Corinthians three five. See these verses? I've I've had to go through these. I thought it was all healthy and wealthy and everything is all going to go fine. Second uh, Corinthians three five. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our adequacy is from God. This is the power. All the, all the time we've been saying, we've got to do something. But remember, it's about God in you. It's not about finding yourself. It's about finding the God who is in you, who wants to conform you to Himself. Isn't that what it is? We're not adequate. Not adequate at all. But He is. Look in Ephesians 3.20. I'm not adequate. I'll never be adequate. I'll never arrive at that. Good. Because that's what Paul's going to say later on. Uh, we, 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 we go for that goal, but we, we realize that we haven't arrived yet. 3.20 Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Do you believe that? Anything that we can ask and we think, well, this is too much for Him. I mean, He's not going to answer this one. He can go... Way beyond that. According to the power that works where? Within us. He's working it in. He's already put it there. Uh, do you remember what Jesus said to the man And uh, as he was on his pallet, he was on his bed, and then they brought him in there, and, and then Jesus said what? Take up your bed and walk. How can you do I can't do that. Uh, you know, that's, my, that's why I'm here. Take up your bed and walk. See, the thing is, he had already put it in there so that man could do it. Well, what did he do? He just got up and he did it. Now, that's miraculous, but I'm showing you that's a miraculous work that is in you. We're talking about a spiritual work, which is even more. Wow. How do you understand that? Well, the word of command is a word of enablement. When He commands this, it's not something that He commands that you can't do. That's the idea of this working out. Take up your bed and walk. I don't understand. I can't understand. I can't really see where the dividing line is at. Okay, here's what God does and here's what I do and uh, what is it? You know, okay, which is which? It's a mystery. And I think one has, I think I heard through the conference this week, it's been stated that uh, every doctrine eventually will evolve into a mystery. And you have to be careful of that because I'm not a mystic. <laughs> not by any stroke of the imagination, but I will tell you that try to understand the Trinity in its fullest. Have you understood God's Absolute sovereignty in every way. Now, all of that's mystery. This is a mystery here. He's in me. I'm in Him. I can do this through Him, but He's here. God must work in us before He works through us. And Old Testament examples, that's what the Old Testament is good for for us. This is what He did with Moses 40 years in the desert. David, Look at all the psalms that he had to write as he was running from Saul. The apostles. The early church. 
Reformers. God worked in them. Used them for years. Did what He wanted to do. And then, boom, they started making impact. Okay, now, um, let's go back to our Philippians passage and uh, let's see if we can close this out. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He's working in you. To will and to work. That's uh, best noted as, as a reference to us rather than to God. He's working in you to cause you to will and to work for His good pleasure. In other words, there's two things that God wants to energize in us. Our will and our work. He's working His will in us and we are to work that out. But we, when we do that, we, we discover uh, His will as we renew our mind, right? In Romans 12. Um, desire and deed. Those are very vital. They're really, really basic. Paul reassures the Philippians here that they do not will and work on their own. But their wills and their actions is the very arena where God's own power is working. We are the stage where God's power is working. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. First Thessalonians 2.13 For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, I heard the Word of God, they received it, you accepted it, not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, and look at this, look at this, which also performs its work in you who believe for salvation, for sanctification. When you get the Word of God into your hearts, this is what changes things. The Word of God comes in, it's supplanted, we obey it, you change. You don't have to worry about other people changing. You say, I want God's work in me that He's energized to be worked out. He says, this Word of God, that is what works in us, folks. Are you putting this into you so it can go out? If you're not putting it in, it's not going to go out. And things are going to go out alright, but it won't be the things of God and things will be coming out of your mouth and your actions that are not representing Him. This is where we get our the will of God. The guidance. What is His will? Right here. Right here. Yeah? Amazing. He's reassuring us. His power working in Him. What, what is the word will there? It means intent. Inclination. This God is working in you both so that we can have the intent, the inclination that would bring Him pleasure and glory. God wants to produce in us the proper intention, the proper inclination. He wants us to have a proper desire for what is right. The Holy Spirit convicts us that we don't want to sin. We want to do righteousness. Look in Titus chapter 3, verse 8. This is where it's at, folks. This is, this is God who is working us in our sanctification. 3.8 Titus. This is a trustworthy statement 
And concerning these things, I think it's worth listening to, isn't it? Trustworthy. I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Engage in good deeds, he tells there. And it's all, uh, if you look earlier, it's all by that working of the Holy Spirit who is working. The word work there uh, means energy in the English. Energo. Energe. He works in us. He works in us. And we work that out, but He's working in us. And and remember that little flower that starts to work with what God has given there. And and then it starts working out the petals and the pollen. (laughs) Anybody had any pollen problems? And perfume and fruit. That's what God actually worked in there for that would do uh, its uh, work. There's energy there. And isn't it wonderful to know that God works in us? He is energizing us. This is the same God who is the Lord of all the galaxies, all the universe, uh, and this whole universe, the constellations. Have you seen those two planets? Incredible. He created the continents, carved out the seabeds, filled them with the rains, and the God of all the centuries. Is work working in us? This God who created all that—that that same power is in us. Ephesians two ten. I promise. We're going to close with this. Wow. Okay. Ephesians two ten. Look at this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Look at this. For good. Works. Look at this. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He has empowered you so much. Uh, he did this uh, long before we were ever even here. He already had that work planned out. All the things that you're going through. He doesn't say, oh, I missed that one. I didn't know that was coming. God is bigger than anything that we can imagine. Think of the biggest mountain. It's nothing to Him. Workmanship. That word is... uh, We get our English word poem. Poem. How does that fit in? Work up a poem. That's, That's a great work of art that's been done. And somebody writes a song and it has deep lyrics and such. Look at the workmanship in that involved. Look at the poetry. God is transposing a poem through our lives. (laughs) Have you ever thought of that? He's taking a poem and He's transposing that and combining everything. God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. He's taking that, putting it into your life, and He's going to combine everything and make it for His glory. That is amazing. Every child of God is going to have that ultimately happen when we come together in glory. It's a great symphonic poem of praise to the glory of the divine Creator as He's working in you. That's how you can give Him glory, just by your life. And as you obey Him, you know what you've just done? You've glorified God. 
You came here today. Do you know that just coming here glorifies God? If you're coming here to worship Him, you, you worship Him to use your mouth to praise Him. Did you know that that glorified God? Did you sing today? Okay, you glorified God by doing that, even if you didn't like the song. But did you look at the words? You know? You don't like this, don't like that? No, we're here for one reason. Not to like or dislike things. We're here to focus our minds and our hearts on this great God that we're talking about because it's His good pleasure. As we lift our hearts and our minds and our mouths, our instruments, everything that we have to Him, He gets good pleasure out of that as a church, as individuals. When you will and work what is right, do you know what it does? It pleases God. That's what Philippians says right here. Did you want to please God? This is what it's about. There's uh, so much of a relationship between you and God that you can, in a sense, bring Him pleasure. Uh, Eudakia means satisfaction. God is satisfied. God is pleased. He has good pleasure. He wants us to cause us to do what pleases Him. He causes us to do something that will please us. He's put everything there. That's what it means. He wants us to satisfy Him. Is that what this is all about? Yeah. He wants us to satisfy Him. He takes great pleasure in you. When you've obeyed Him, He takes great... He loves that. He just enjoys that. He takes it in. He's a God of pleasure. Yes, He is. We are here to please Him. And by the way, I want to tell you, you are here also to have pleasure in all the things that God has given you. Take pleasure in that. The Christian is working out with maximum effort. God is working in to accomplish His pleasure. We're so blessed that God is actually working in us. Just think about that. That's an amazing thought. The God who has all this power to create comes in and does that to us. What is it that God is wanting you to change? What relationship does He want you to make right? What desire does He want you to ignore? What habit do you need to break? That's dying self, isn't it? Do you know what it is that He wants you to will and to work? Do you know what that is? I bet you do. Let's bow in prayer and let's ask this Lord... What is it that you're working in me to will and to do? Father, you are the great God. Almighty. Powerful. What a work that you do. What a work you've done in salvation as we looked at what Christ did for us. And then gives us the Holy Spirit, implants the Word of God into us. And we're now enabled to do things supernaturally that we couldn't do before. Things that would go against the grain. Lord, we know that these passages can demand our time. They can change relationships. Infiltrate all, all throughout the family. And at work. And in church. It can dominate singleness as people go through that. As you put that work in there all of this that we've been talking about today in Your Scripture. Or if we don't work it out, we'll remain babies. And how sad that is to remain a baby when one has been a Christian for years. Work it out, Lord. And as You work it in, we want to work it out 
in every part of our lives and gives you every room in our lives so that you can do your work so that you are given pleasure. And the glory is given to you in Jesus' name and by His grace, all for His glory we say, Amen.